0: Welcome to Off Screen. I'm Van Connor.
1: And I'm Bex Perfect, and this is your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom.
0: Welcome back, Miss Perfect. Pleasure as always, and another week of cinematic fun awaits us, I'm sure. is it is it fun? I don't know.
1: I, I don't know if we'd call it fun after the news, but there is still stuff out there. There is still stuff that is happening. It's not a blockbuster. It won't save cinemas, but it might entertain you if you fancy a day out. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, of the two films that are in cinemas this week, I think we can say that, oh, an entire 50% of them are great. (laughs) The other 50% are urine.
1: I was gonna. Oh wow, harsh! I was gonna hold back on on dropping that bomb of what's good and what's not. (laughs) But why don't we start at one end of the spectrum and know that it can only get better, shall we? Um, (laughs)
0: Okay, so let's start with the urine, then. Is that what you're saying?
1: Urine, if that's what you want to call it this week. So, um, as part of the London Film Festival, uh, Mr. Connor and I are um, basically going and looking at a lot of movies in a very short space of time to make sure that you guys are up to scratch with everything out there. One of those movies is called Kajillionaire um, and it stars an amazing cast which is um, Evan Rachel Wood, Gina Rodriguez, Richard Jenkins and Deborah Winger and Van tell us what it's all about
0: so Kajillionaire, which Miranda July's uh, latest. I'm not overly familiar with Miranda July, although she seems to appeal to, let's just say, a, a very certain subsect of society who wear a lot of cardigans. Uh, Kajillionaire, as you say, has that cast and they are actually uh, a, a, a familial trio. They are a set of two parents and a sort of 26-year-old daughter. So we've got uh, it's Richard Jenkins and Deborah Winger are the parents. Evan Rachel Wood is the, the 26-year-old daughter and they're effectively kind of like street-level, low-key, Rifters. they are con artists but they're not like dirty rotten scoundrel level con artists they yeah. are just sort of like we'll stick our hand through your mailbox and Nick your mail in the hope that you know you've got a tie that's worth 10 quid kind of level con artists and um, basically during one of their scams they they come across uh, a new character played by uh, Gina Rodriguez melanie who uh, they sort of they enticed by her, her energy her, you know good looks her charisma and seek to sort of bring her on board to join the fray, Although it starts the swift unraveling of their familial dynamic, I'm evicting you. I can get ten thousand dollars for this space. You understand, ten thousand dollars. We have a child. <laughs> that wall is a sponge. It's a sponge. This building ought to be condemned. Really, we could, we could report it to the Department of Health and Human Services.
1: What?
0: Right. Okay, okay, just, just. just just give us till friday you'll have 1500 cash bills we'll have it by friday dude we need little time to get it together friday tomorrow it's tomorrow um well i didn't literally mean i mean that's just a saying you know by friday it just means end of the week next friday uh the, the one after that friday after next yeah I mean, I'm just going to be up front and say that I, I absolutely hated it. It's 104 minutes of my life that I would really, really like back. Um, I just found it obnoxious. I found yeah. it deeply unlikable. I know it's trying for, oh, these are quirky characters who are meant to be unlikable. You, yeah, but there's no there's no engagement there. The characters are in no way, I'm not enticed in any way to enjoy the exploits of these characters. What you have are effectively four characters who are just obnoxious, cruel, shills of human beings um the whole thing i mean you've ever had that experience you know when, when when you've been watching a film with the hubby you know at home kind of thing you ever have that experience when you're watching something and it's really really rubbish and one of you eventually snaps and says i can't take it anymore why don't we just turn this off and we'll uh, you know Mm-mm. instead you know yeah do that instead yeah. right this is the movie where the characters do that <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um do you know what um I I kind of I had that with this. No hubby was there. Yeah. But I did <laughs> the point where I was like I can't watch this anymore. It's excruciating. Um and yeah. uh, the, do you know what I, I was like I, the first scene that you see is is the family outside of a post office. Okay. Yes. And yeah. they they send their daughter a uh, called Old Dolio, which is a weird name anyway. Old
0: Dolio, yeah.
1: Old uh, played by Evan Rachel Wood, they send her into um, into the post office to essentially go and break into some postal boxes and, and get some, whatever she can get. And the way that it starts is almost it is quite fun and it is quite quirky. She does this almost like um, stealth. Uh, jumping down, hiding behind the walls, jumping back up. It's very choreographed. Mm. It goes in and you kind of think, oh, this could be quite fun and quite quirky. Anyway, after that, you kind of go, what the hell am I watching? Because there's nothing to it. Now, the thing that really got me is that Evan Rachel Wood, you've seen her in Westworld. We've seen her in um, so many amazing films. And yeah. she's a brilliant actress. And what she does here, and this is probably my biggest gripe, and I have no idea why she's been directed to do this, she plays like a Beavis and Butthead character. Um, that's like a proper teenager.
0: Perfect. I'm so glad you said that because it's literally I literally had it in my notes. It's like so. She's she looks like she's modelled on 2002 era Avril Lavigne, but she sounds like she's modelled on 2013 era Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty. It's the there's a point when she goes into sort of a manic range, a manic craze, and I just I thought this is this is like someone's directed her to watch episodes of Rick and Morty and just do one of Rick's drunken furies. It's besides a strange directorial choice, but to pick a strange choice from the from the design and build of this film is you know trying to find a grain of sand on the beach it's 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 bonkers
1: yeah because like deborah winger's character is like this um if you can imagine a a woman who (laughs) all i can think of was like someone who's been locked away for a number of years and is um like you know she's got the scraggly hair she wears mismatched outfits her hair covers her face so you can hardly see it all the time and she's awkward as anything and is very brash and very unlikable just generally And then Richard Jenkins is almost like trying to balance up some sort of integrity and heart behind what he does, but it doesn't ever quite reach it. And Evan Rachel Wood doesn't even look like she was even born from these two. It just doesn't work. There's no synergy between them as a family. And that's what doesn't really work for me. And then you have this um, like Mexican bomb. Oh, no, she's Puerto Rican bombshell that comes in and Gina Rodriguez, which completely disrupts the 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 pattern in which this family is working. And you kind of need that, but it doesn't work at the same time. Mm. It's like they're in two different movies. And the problem is, is that if you don't have the synergy between all of these characters and they're not likeable, you're not left with very much. And that's the problem.
0: Well, I mean, put it this way, you can, you can just glance at a poster for Kajillionaire and check the pull quotes that are on there. And you know exactly what kind of film you're about to see based on who gave which glowing reviews, which outlets have given the glowing reviews. You know exactly what film you are in for, based entirely on that. Um, I will say the only, and I do mean only, positive thing I can say about Kajillionaire, all 104 agonisingly, soul-crushingly dull minutes of it, um, is that uh, Gina Rodriguez needs to be in more movies. Other than that, I genuinely can't believe we have now reached a stage in which we are heaping critical praise upon a film in which even the characters themselves literally reach that stage of do you know what this is boring, this is awful. Why don't we just sack it off and go bump uglies instead?
1: Do you know what? I was just gonna just just to give people some context of this, after both Van and myself watched the film, obviously separately I get a text from Van and he's like, I can't even with this movie. And I thought, <laughs> I was like, that's going to go one of two ways. And I wrote back going, yeah, not my not my bag. And I didn't get a response from Van. And I thought, is there a moment in which he loved this? And I've completely misread his text. No, no, thank God we're on the same page. It's awful.
0: I had to contain my rage. I I, I really did. I, 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 I think... You, you can you can ask my girlfriend, she called me ten minutes after I watched this movie, and I was still just pacing around the room, just trying to assemble my reassemble my sanity, and she got to witness this in real time. Was just yeah. me trying to rebuild my, my fractured psyche from the absolute fury that this had left me, and I, I hated it. I hated it with a passion. Uh, this argument that you know you should go to cinemas and, and you know pr- you know help cinemas out by just seeing whatever's on. If this were the only film showing in British cinemas, I personally would visit every single cinema in the country and lock the door myself. No. It is not worth saving an industry that will attempt to peddle this bilge
1: couldn't agree more now let's try and rebuild your sanity with a different film <laughs> because i think we can only go up from where we're at at the moment so the other film on our list that is also out in cinemas this weekend is called saint Maud. um it is a horror it is a psychological horror at that it is also one hour 24 minutes long the length of the movie i quite like um hopefully you could feel like this is something that didn't need to be repeated didn't need to be taking any more of your your life's cycle away from you.
0: Right. First of all, I saw this. I think it was back in February. Uh, so because it was meant, this was meant to be out very early in the year and uh, got shelved because of you know that pandemic thing that certain media personalities would like to pretend isn't serious. Yes. Um, it's now finally getting a release, and I'm very happy to finally be able to say this. So far, for me, is the horror film of the year. This is this year's Midsummer. This is this year's Hereditary. This is this year's Get Out. Pick your horror movie. Define you know, the year. This will be the one for this year. So directorial debut of writer-director uh, Rose Glass, a feature debut, uh, stars uh, Morphid Clark, who was in Eternal Beauty uh, last week yeah. as the younger incarnation of uh, Sally Hawkins' character. She takes centre stage here and it stars uh, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Ailey, I want to say. Is that how you say her name? E-H-L-E. I'm yeah. calling it Jennifer Ayle or Jennifer Ailey. I, I don't. I'm not sure. Um, who? I'll be honest. Is going full Sigourney in this. She's going full oh. Sigourney Weaver in this. Uh, you described it as a psychological horror. I'll take it a step further and describe it as a uh, religious psychological horror because there's a serious religious element to this. Uh, Morfed Clark is Maud. She is a um, a very devout. Uh, believer, who is also a hospice nurse. She takes on as a patient Jennifer Ailey's character who is a former dancer who cannot deal with her, uh, her spiralling physical condition. She uh, she's, she's very hedonistic and uh, Morphid Clark's character attempts to save her, as it were. But as Jennifer Ailey's character begins to give in to her baser instinct, as she begins to you know resume the drink, the drugs, the same-sex relationships, the casual hookups, things like that this is just one factor that one big factor that contributes to this unraveling of this young religiously charged woman Ma
1: doesn't like carol funny i can't figure out if she's a bigot or if she's just jealous you know she went sneaking behind my back to try to scare carol away (laughs) to save my soul if i understand correctly (laughs) excuse me don't run away, I'm talking to you Maud is my savior you see she's been looking out for me in more ways than mine but you got a little carried away, didn't you? So what is it? am I indecent? no, you're lost. <laughs> there are obviously different types of horror movies out there there's your jump scare ones there's obviously I've described this as a psychological horror you've talked about the religious horror where does it actually really sit in this whole spectrum
0: it's very much a crossover film so on the one hand you've got sort of the religious iconography of something like The Omen or The Exorcist it's very Friedkin in that way you've also got a body horror element that's very Cronenbergian and believe me we're talking about very nasty body horror as well like I I was very i was uncomfortable during this and at the same time you've got yeah i mean imagine what it takes to unsettle me
1: yeah i'm intrigued (laughs) yeah
0: oh i'm just gonna tell you if you see this movie you will never put a pair of shoes on the same way ever again all I'm going to say. It's like the fried chicken in Killer Joe. It's just going to warp is your worldview. I mean...
1: Is this pushing you from, um, like, Western horror is always a little bit more censored than, say, like, Asian horror or uh, you know, stuff from, uh, I think, the Nordics as well. Like, where are we pushing the boundaries here? How are we feeling? Like, you're saying it's uncomfortable. Is it uncomfortable for a Westerner? Or is it actually, it's out there?
0: It, it, it's out there, full oh, stop. Wow. I mean, first of all, I, I think uh, both performances from Jennifer Ailey, Jennifer Ayle, whatever you want to call it, and Morphe Clark are tremendous uh, Murphy Clark it, for someone who's you know seemingly come out of nowhere in this past twelve months and is just really just devastating with all these brilliant performances this somehow manages to be just the cherry on top. This is an absolutely amazing performance um, at the same time as well uh, rose Glass's work both on page and behind the lens. Absolutely stellar. There is some great imagery in here. This is a movie that knows how to build atmosphere, but at the same time has this sort of a dreamlike quality. There's a lot made of her visions, her hallucinations, things like that. It's a movie that does equate because she could just as easily be insane as she is, you know, blessed as it were. Because there is this element of is God talking to her? Is she insane? That kind of thing. And don't get wrong, I have all the time in the world for any movie that equates religious devotion to uh, actual insanity. But this one took it to a whole other level. I think this is something that absolutely ever, if you 're into horror movies in any way, shape or form, you need to see this it 's something that will really stick with you uh, it 's something that works on a level akin to I would say midsummer like whereas yeah. midsummer was bright and colorful, and in the day, this is dark and grimy and British and at night. And Ooh. I would say there's, there's something of an overlap there, I think.
1: I'm definitely smiling as you're describing that. So um, two thumbs up from you?
0: Two very, very glowing thumbs up. I, uh, as for Kajillionaire, I'd like to uh, volunteer to hack my thumbs off.
1: <laughs> We've gone on a real yo-yo from the spectrum today. It's just there, is, there, is, there couldn't be two more polar opposite films that are coming out right now. And look, let's just say the idea is is that you stick with St Maud and you kick Kajillionaire to the curb. Welcome back to Offscreen. So this is your seven-day guide to everything movies, and we're moving straight on to movies on TV. In this block, you're going to hear your weekend's offerings that we've got for you. And they kick off, Marvel fans, with something I know that you guys will love. And I've asked Van Conner with, uh, with covering this because I thought... It's so his bag. What
0: is it, Van? What have we got for them? It is 2014's absolutely game-changing Marvel Cinematic Universe entry, Captain America The Soldier, which I I can genuinely make an argument for this being... In fact, until Black Panther, I would make the argument for this being the best of the... You know, best all-round of the Marvel movies. Uh, This is is the second of the Captain America series. It's the uh, first one that sort of brings Captain America into the present day, really, although he'd been in the first Avengers movie at this point. Uh, he hadn't really, we hadn't seen him experience the world, so we get that now. So Cap is leading a Shield Strike team. I think they're literally called Strike. Um, that uh, he's, so he's leading this team. He goes on missions for Shield. He's starting to question the morality of what it is that Shield are doing in the name of protecting the world. Into this mix comes a mysterious assassin known as the Winter Soldier who uh, brings with him certain revelations from Captain America's past and uh, assassinates Nick Fury in the process inadvertently turning both Cap and Black Widow into fugitives from S.H.I.E.L.D. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists the ones that do call him the Winter Soldier he's credited with over two dozen assassinations in the last 50 years so he's a ghost story Five years ago, I was escorting a nuclear engineer out of Iran. Somebody shot out my tires near Odessa. We lost control, went straight over a cliff. I pulled us out. But the winter soldier was there. I was covering my engineer, so he shot him straight through me.
1: Soviet slug, no rifling. Bye-bye bikinis. Yeah, I bet you look terrible in a now. So I think I remember going to see this with you uh, at the screening. Is this the one where, I th- there is a reason why I'm asking this, where he's at the helipad and he holds everything together?
0: <laughs> no, that's the one after this, that's Civil War. Damn. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> that, You mean you mean that wonderful flexing shot that, that you just, you shot. have to use that in every montage.
1: But also, yeah, and also you've never seen a bunch of critics just sit there and just start, sniggering, building up to a, oh, it's okay to laugh at this, and then everyone sort of giving it a proper giggle. I love that. But... I, I think I know which one out of the, the collection you mean now. I did enjoy Civil War actually, but this um, this mm. for me was a really strong offering for for people that aren't as established Marvel fans as well. Mm. The
0: one, the thing is, this was the this was the, the this is the, the turning point at which Marvel decided to start recontextualizing the standalone films into different genres. Mm. So this became a seventy uh, a seventy style you know paranoia driven thriller. It's also memorable really as the one that starred Robert Redford who in turn kind of legitimized the Marvel universe by saying to the old Hollywood guard, it's okay to be you know, a serious, dramatic Hollywood actor and do these movies. So we, we do owe Robert Redford a, a serious debt because prior to this, really, Tommy Lee Jones, I think was the only one kind of had that it was Tommy Lee Jones and Jeff Bridges were arguably the closest we had to that before this. But this was Robert Redford turning around and basically saying, you know what? The guy that runs Sundance is doing marvel movies so maybe it's time to take the cardigans off you know, grab some popcorn and actually have some fun for a change. Um, It's also got the mother of all plot twists in this, which is kind of old hat now, and it has to do with, you know, the specific makeup of S.H.I.E.L.D. And this would wind up bleeding through to what was then Marvel's new TV show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well, which in turn would give us Bill Paxton as a Marvel villain, which was incredible. Um, It's a really, really good movie. Chris Evans is, you know, actually really good in this you know as uh, despite the fact that it is an action thriller chris evans gets some serious drama to deal with in this Mm. i mean i don't think scarlett hansett's particularly wonderful in it but you know she's vaguely engaging enough and it did give us anthony mackie's debut as uh sam wilson the falcon who's just a great supporting character in this
1: for anyone coming to this on saturday night so it's on bbc one at 10 to five pm if someone is coming to this fresh. Not having seen the first Captain America movie, can we just walk into this and enjoy it?
0: Not only can they, because really the only thing you need to know about America is he's a super soldier who was frozen in time, and that does get mentioned a lot. But uh, until the very opening of Winter Soldier, which actually I've got another point to make on the film as well, Um, before the very opening of Winter Soldier, I don't think they had ever actually shown on screen what it was that made Captain America so impressive what were his skills because if you watch the first movie and you watch uh, the avengers the first avengers movie he just seems to be a guy who can punch because all the other characters around him are super powered he doesn't look particularly impressive And it's not until you see him in, in the opening of this movie when he basically just runs the length of a ocean liner and just takes out guys by the dozen you know just grabbing them and casually throwing them 40 feet you know as if it's nothing. It's not until you see it done that way that you realise, oh, okay, that's how Captain America's powers and abilities work. Okay, that's impressive. This is also, and this was something that was quite unique at the time as well, the introduction of the Russo brothers to mm. the Marvel Universe. Oh. This was their first thing. They did this, they did Civil War, and then they did the the, the last two Avengers movies. Um, it was interesting because we comedy directors. Them doing this was really something, and yeah, it set and- the tone for a lot of what was to come
1: fantastic yeah and they really establish things so there we go bbc one saturday night 10 20 p.m if you haven't ever stepped foot into the marvel universe firstly where have you been but secondly this way to get involved in it so it's captain america the winter soldier moving on to sunday we're taking you right back to, and I know Van can't even believe this, 1995. <laughs> um, you are going to be watching Wesley Snipes, Jennifer Lopez, Woody Harrelson in Money Train. And I love this film. It's about a revengeful New York transit cop who resolves to rob a high-tech te- t- uh, train laden with immense amounts of money and his foster brother, who is a fellow policeman, endeavours to safeguard him.
0: Are there any questions? <clears throat>
1: Well, uh, just one. Why did you send the train into the tunnel when you'd been advised we were in there?
0: Your situation last night didn't move me one way or the other. Anything else? Yes, Chief Patterson, but your men shot the kid to sh-. I mean, over a rope chain. Yeah, they shot him to sh-. That's what they did. And you can't buy publicity like that. That boy didn't die in vain. As far as I'm concerned, he's a goddamn hero. Thanks to his sacrifice, the word went forth today. You f- with my train and I'll kill you. Now I'm gonna send one more message. I don't like you, so don't f- with my train again. If you do, we will tangle ass and you will lose.
1: One thing I just wanted to say, I've just noticed, right? On Rotten Tomatoes, Money Train has, out of 32 uh, reviews, has only got a rating of 22%. It's got a one- star rating. staggering. Yeah.
0: That is that is well. What do you ex What do you expect of this industry? I mean, come on. Wow. Well, One thing: the movie's fun.
1: <laughs> it is. Yeah, I mean, can't. You tell from like Wesley Snipes in that clip, like it is fun. Like his accent, everything. <laughs> you know that you've got good quality stock when you've got like Woody Harrelson in this movie. You know you've got Jennifer Lopez in there. She's playing Grace Santiago. Um, it's like there's so much going on in this movie. It's so of its time, and it's like I was actually going to come out and say. They don't make movies like this anymore. Like that's the thing. This it's outlandish because it's, mm. it's weird, it's bizarre. It's got Wesley Snipes. Need I say more?
0: That's it. I mean, it's it's not something invents the wheel. It's just a tight and tidy, you know, just effectively sort of a, a, a buddy. Comedy action film that's relatively small scale. It's just about these two brothers who want to rob a subway train, <laughs> you know. And based on the clip, you can kind of understand why. Because Robert Blake is just deliciously awful, yeah. You know, in, in, I mean, in a moral way, just deliciously terrible as uh, as their sort of boss. And uh, Jennifer Lopez, I thought was a lot of fun in this as well. I do recommend checking this out. This is Paramount 11:50 on Sunday, it's a bit late at night, but definitely worth recording if nothing else. I think it's I think it's a really overlooked gem. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly worth a lot more than twenty-two percent.
1: But also, I just say ignore all these big critic reviews. I'm just having a quick look through. So, Empire, uh, obviously when it came out, said big stars, big stunts, and big marketing campaigns do not always make a good do not always a good movie. Make this is derailed, depressing, and nigh on disastrous. I'm sorry, what?
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Empire Once Upon a Time give a glowing new to 1998's Godzilla in exchange for a set visit? I mean, just gonna throw that out there and or read into that whatever they'd like. Anyway, um, on to Monday. Another film that I'm sure got pretty terrible reviews when it opened, and opened, and is viewed by pretty much anyone who's ever seen it realistically, otherwise as an absolute stone cold classic. <laughs> it is 1997's Paul Verhoeven directed Starship Troopers. How much do you love Starship Troopers, Bex? Come on, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Don't worry. Like this is this is the golden years. And even if I haven't seen it in 25 years. I remember seeing it when it first came out, so don't get me wrong. Sci-fi action, and it's fine. two hours, nine minutes, tidy. It's a, uh, it's an interesting little one. Like, give us your synopsis of this because I, I I'm, I'm interested to see how you describe it.
0: Starship Troopers is terrific. In first of all, it's an adaptation of the novel named by Robert Heinlein. Um, this is, uh, it follows Johnny Rico, who is a, uh, What's the uh... I'm trying to remember the city he comes from, Buenos Aires. I think think they're from Buenos Aires. And they're all high school kids. They're all, for some reason, Caucasian-American, despite the fact that they live in Central America. And I think he is Hispanic in the book. Uh, They are teenagers who, straight out of uh, high school, enlist in the military, just as an alien race simply known as the Arachnids wage war on the Earth. And they become frontline cannon fodder for this propaganda-fueled, fascist administration's war on an alien race. Naked force has resolved more issues throughout history than any other factor. The contrary opinion, that violence never solves anything, is wishful thinking at its worst. People who forget that always pay. Rico, what's the moral difference, if any, between a civilian and a citizen?
1: A citizen accepts personal responsibility for the safety of the body politic, defending it with his life.
0: A civilian does not. The exact words of the text. But do you understand it? Do you believe it? I don't know.
1: Of course you don't.
0: I doubt anyone here would recognise civic virtue if it reached up and bit you in the ass.
1: Can you not call them arachnids? They're called alien bugs. That's all you need to know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's so first of all, the movie is punctuated. This is a, a trick that uh, Verhoeven had, you know, used I think for the first time in RoboCop, t- exactly ten years prior as well, which is to use uh, the media and use intercut um, v- you know, VTS and video segments from the actual in-world media as a way of sending up the fascist overtones of, of everything that's going on, and basically, you know, parodying what he viewed as the, the fascistic leanings of society. Um, the, f- the film is an absolute. Masterpiece. I really do think it is. Um, In recent years, Verhoeven has reclassified it ever so slightly by going out of his way to point out that he specifically cast terrible actors. He wanted terrible actors who were pretty. So he got in the lead Casper Van Deen as uh, as Johnny Rico. Casper Van Deen never really been in anything else of substance. I think he turns up as the would-be love interest rival in Sleepy Hollow like two years after this.
1: Um, he is a name that people still recognise.
0: So we- it seems to be. I think for this. And of course, Denise Richards front and centre. Jake Busey is in the although I don't know who'd call Jake Busey pretty. Uh, and I don't get how you would ever call him a bad actor, but Neil Patrick Harris <laughs> as the uh, weirdly creepy and slightly psychic Carl, but it's the supporting cast that makes this and you've got people like Michael Ironside you heard in the clip uh, Dina Meyer is one of the one of the younger ones as well and uh, my personal favorite Clancy Brown the late great Clancy Brown as uh, drill instructor Zim who does get to join in the fight at the 11th hour there's also an almost blink and you're missing cameo from uh, uh, Dean Norris from Breaking Bad who's uh, Walter White's brother-in-law uh, from, from Breaking Bad Do you know the, the cop that's uh, Cop brother-in-law, whose name I yeah. get off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, uh, great. I mean, look, it is a good cast. It's solid. It's 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 good fun. Like the fact, I, I love the fact that you call this a masterpiece, and the the title is just so B movie, and it isn't it, like. like Starship Troopers? So it's a nice little thing to discover and to enjoy and you guys can do that on the you know from the comfort of your own couch because it's on ITV4 1105 p.m. on Monday if you're up late or if you're going to press record for this just to so m- manage to watch it for later on in the week it's going to be well worth your time it's a, it's a good golden era of movie classic that we are seeing out there from Paul Beerhoven. So there we go. That's your roundup for this week. Your movie's on TV. Your first part of this, we've got Captain America, The Winter Soldier on BBC One at 10.25 p.m. Money Train on Sunday, Paramount Channel, 11.50 p.m. And then kicking off your week on the Monday, it is Starship Troopers on ITV4 at 11.05 p.m.
0: Welcome back to Off Screen and carrying on with your movies on freeview for the week. We're going to take you to Tuesday night now on Film Four at 9pm. Why don't you tell us what we're in for with the Hitman's Bodyguard, Miss Perfect?
1: Well, I'm just going to say Ryan Reynolds. Do we need to know anything else?
0: <laughs> this yeah, there you go, Ryan Reynolds.
1: <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Let's hope he's got some Deadpool wisecracks in there. Um this is a 2017 film um, where Ryan Reynolds is basically. I think he's come out of like the whole Deadpool. Sort of um, uh, like hysteria about it around that time. It kind of catapulted mm. him once again back to the limelight. So we're seeing him stars alongside Samuel L. Jackson and also the brilliant Salma Hayek. He plays um, a protection agent um, and he's basically brought in to guard the life of his mortal enemy, one of the most notorious yeah. hitmen out there. Um, and um, the relentless bodyguard and manipulative assassin have been on the offer of a bullet for years and are drawn together within a wildly outrageous 24 hours. One more?
0: Go with God. This man's killed over 150 people. 250 easy. Now I'm a huge huge fan of this and I'm very happy to say I think we're supposed to be getting the hitman's wife's bodyguard. Uh, coming out, (laughs) was supposed to be later this year. I think it's going to be middle of next year now. Uh, That, I believe, has already been shot. Um, I'm a big fan of the Hitman's Bodyguard. It's effectively another spin of the sort of midnight run. Idea, You know, it's, you know, one guy has to escort the other guy from point A to point B for protection. And in this case, it's testifying against Gary Oldman at The Hague. And Gary Oldman's having the time of his life just being this, you know, spittle, flying, scenery-chewing, Eastern European warlord type. And, uh, you know, it's about ryan reynolds being ryan reynolds and it's about samuel jackson being samuel jackson it's the clash of personalities that that yeah. come out there specifically at one point ryan reynolds accuses samuel jackson of single-handedly the word you know that yeah. word that samuel L. jackson likes to say a lot that we can't quite repeat here it's a lot of fun though some of it is a bit of a misfire a young as ryan reynolds is on again off again love interest is awful in it. She's terribly cast. I can't figure... The reason she had the role was because at that point it was expected that she would become a breakout star off the back of uh, season two of Devil when she'd been cast as Electra. The yeah. idea was that this was going to be her, her film role to sort of tie in with that and she was going to be a star but uh, you know what? She wasn't and when you see the movie and you see her performance in it you can kind of understand why. Although...
1: It's a shame, though, because I enjoyed her as a lecturer in Daredevil. Um, I thought she was really good at that. Um, but do you know what? Like, I think there was a lot of pressure on this to be good. And I've delivered, mm. you know, like you say, a few little misfires, but overall a really enjoyable movie. And for you guys, just to kind of kick off your week with on a Tuesday, you know, it's on at a decent time. It's on Film 4 at 9 p.m nice and simple but you can have a lot of fun if you love ryan reynolds and who doesn't you know you're going to get what you want from this um so you know there's something for the girls something for the boys it's uh it's a load of old fun and of course samuel l jackson and salma Hayek thrown into boot as well um
0: put your put your mint mobile down pour yourself an aviator gin settle (laughs) down for some ryan reynolds you know how it goes
1: and hopefully, Rick Moranis might just perform from his recent incident. Exactly. <laughs> um, right, moving on to Wednesday. Um, I had to ask Van about this one because it's not one that I'd seen. It's on Paramount Channel at 9 pm. It's called Hard Target. And you basically said it's like the movie version of one of the most difficult games out there.
0: Uh, the, no, no, the, the novel, The Most Dangerous Game. So, you know, uh, there's okay. that novel, The Most Dangerous <laughs> Game. And it gets adapted all the time. There's a million different interpretations. Recently, we had The Hunt. Which was an adaptation of this, oh, okay. and it's it's you know the usual thing where you know people hunt poor people for sport. It's that idea. This was John Woo's English language debut in 1993, wow. and it starred Jean Claude Van Damme. Back when Jean Claude Van Damme could own a movie, and, and this is like vintage Van Damme. He's got the white vest and the the slick back, scraggly long mullet. You know so that kind we, of
1: look. Did we can do the splits? <laughs> yes,
0: he does the splits. Yes, he's got the you know the painted on blue jeans that his vest is tucked into with the with the leather belt and the cowboy boots. You know that look that he had for about four movies in a row, starting yeah. with I think Nowhere to Run in about 1991. Um, the villain is Lance Henriksen, and it is that format. He is he is Chance Boudreaux, a, a New Orleans-based drifter. Or he's just a drifter who happens through New Orleans, who helps, who takes on a job helping a young woman find her missing father. Her father. A homeless man has mysteriously gone missing, um, you know, amidst a series of missing homeless people. You can sort of guess where this is going to go, and where this mysterious drifter with all these kung fu skills might actually take things, including up to a very specific and very familiar confrontation with Arnold Vosloo from The Mummy, who is a henchman in this, and he's got hair, he's got hair as well, and you know that bitten face off when, when they're they're backed up against the side of the mirror. There's one on each side of the mirror, and they're talking to one another. That is exactly what you're getting in this exact moment. I've been looking all over for you. You've been looking in the wrong places. That's good, because I know you wouldn't want to hurt my feelings.
1: Did just make me chuckle, and I know that made you chuckle. it, does, it? <laughs> yeah. um, When you mentioned Arnold Roslou, um as the mummy in the mummy, I've just looked at him and gone, It is! Oh my goodness, I did not realize that. <laughs> this is crazy. Um, so, look, a good cast. Uh, t- opposite to a previous Empire review that I had um, for, what was it that gave a bad review for Money Train? This particular Empire reviewer has has described this movie as enjoyable from start to finish. This throwaway action flick does exactly what it says on the tin, nice and concise. Probably describes it in the best way,
0: and it has my favorite ever Jean-Claude Van Damme moment in this film. First of all, it is John. It's peak John Woo. I mean, obviously, he'd go on to give us his like or become his masses, but this is you know, for me. This movie, when I was ten years old, I was obsessed with it. I watched. I had a baseball cap for like I wore every day for a year of this movie. I absolutely adore Hard Target, but it's got my favorite Jean-Claude Van Damme moment when he uh, he saves. I think it's Yancy Butler who plays the uh, the female lead. Uh, he saves her from some muggers, hands her back. Her handbag and says, "Next time, be more careful where you show your wallet." <laughs> what? 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 What did you just? What, what? are the words that just came out of your speech paddles? What? What, what just came out of your hole? What did you say? Wallets? What is it? What are the wallets? Wait, Frenchie Frenchison? What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. See Hard Target. It's only about 90 minutes long as well. Uh, Paramount Channel, Wednesday night, 9pm. You've got to see this. You will love it. You will hate people back.
1: Yeah, I I can't wait. It's like it's pure nostalgia, left, right and centre. Like, I'll watch that and then double bill it with something like Universal Soldier. I mean, it's... Yeah. that's that's my Wednesday night sorted. Right, Okay, let's move swiftly on to uh, Thursday, the Horror Channel, 9pm. Now, this was a big movie when we were growing up. This is a 90... Mm movie. It's called Urban Legend. You'll recognise the poster. It was quite iconic, you know. Lots of people in your VHS video shops when that came out on the shelves. That was the one that was turned around because everyone had taken it out. Um, this is like, it's it's kind of Scream-esque. You know, it was that whole kind of new genre of horror movie film to it and it, it was great. It's basically centres around a series of murders that take place in and around um, a university and a lady called Natalie begins to suspect that the deaths are inspired by various urban legends so if anything was going to say that it does exactly what it says on the tin you're pretty um pretty sure that you're going to get it from this now it's got a whole load of people that you will recognize and also some that you won't but um alicia wit is in this um which yeah, remember
0: alicia wit
1: yes but i'm trying to think where i remember her from it's just not my like so do you
0: know what I- it's not. I will tell you exactly where you know her from. It was from the 90s sitcom Sybil with Sybil Shepherd and Christine Baranski. She was the daughter.
1: Exactly. I always remembered her name and I knew who she was. But yeah, yes, you're so right. I loved Sybil. I really enjoyed that. Um, again, this is the thing when we only had four or five channels to watch on TV. <laughs> absolutely.
0: Back in the day. <laughs>
1: You know, you actually watch good quality stuff. We've also got Jared Leto and Joshua Jackson as well, but we've also got Rebecca uh, Gayhart in this as well, and also a number of other people like Tara Reid is in this, Loretta Devine is in this. It's, in cra- it's crazy.
0: The big marketing hook. I mean, I'll cue the clip up in a second to, to demonstrate one of the one of one example of this. But the big marketing hook was that they had numerous people who were horror icons turn up in this was when scream had just hit big i think scream had hit big about 18 months earlier this was yeah. kind of green lit the day after scream yeah. um and it was all about the sort of meta of the moment so there were moments where for instance joshua jackson gets in his car and it, he happens to have been playing the uh, the theme song to dawson's creek on his uh, on his cassette player for instance yeah. um but there were horror icons uh, who appeared in this film one of whom well, let's see if you can identify him from this. That really happened to a girl in my hometown? <laughs> oh, yes. I'm sure it did. I'm I'm sure most of you grew up thinking that this happened to girls in, in all your hometowns, but it didn't. You see, the babysitter and the man upstairs is what we call an urban legend. Contemporary folklore passed on as a true story. Now, there are variations of this one going back to the 1960s, all of them containing the same cultural admonition. Young women, mind your children or harm will come your way.
1: Uh, well, when don't you recognise Robert Englund? <laughs> when do uh. you recognise Freddy Krueger himself? Yes. Um, you just expect that suddenly. You just expect something like, I don't know, like some um, nails to kind of go down a window pane or something like that. That's what I'd expect. Well,
0: that's the thing. He he takes on the uh, the lecturer role in this movie. He's the, he's the college professor who teaches about urban legends. Actually, one name that we didn't pick up on, who's uh, a member of the cast, is uh, Michael Rosenbaum is in this. Yeah. He's Lex Luthor from Smallville. Yeah. Because... That was the first time I'd seen him with hair because obviously you know Lex Luthor is yeah. starkly bald. Um, great movie though, and this is good fun. It's held up pretty well as well. It's it's a decent you know pacey slasher film. Yeah, I'm calling it pacey despite the fact that Joshua Jackson stars in it. So oh, <laughs> the 90s reference on that one. Is very worth checking out. I mean, the sequels are terrible. I think the first sequel, one of the sequels stars Kelly Brook. But uh, terrible sequels, but the first one is absolutely worth watching. And, you know, Jared Leto, Alicia Witt, and Tara Reid. I mean, who doesn't enjoy seeing Tara Reid hunted down by a you know, an anonymous uh, murderer and hacked to death for, for our entertainment? Who doesn't I'd, enjoy that?
1: I prefer to see her on that than I do seeing her on Cameo right now, so... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. So, Urban Legends, you will recognize the front cover for that as well, but it's well worth your time. That's on the Horror Channel at 9pm. We're going to end your Friday with another classic movie. Um, It takes you back to the 90s once again. It's got a big shark. It's got a lot of water. It's, of course, it's got LL Cool J. It's Deep Blue Sea. Now, you've seen how bad things can get and how quick they can get that way. Well, they can get a whole lot worse. So we're not going to fight anymore. We're going to pull together and we're going to find a way to get out of here. First, we're going to seal off this...
0: Yes, they deserve to drown, and I hope they burn in hell. I love this movie.
1: I can, I, do you know, I was just thinking, I love nothing more than hearing a clip with a rousing speech by Samuel L. Jackson, but then suddenly <laughs> when he gets swallowed by a shark, <laughs> it makes it all the better. Um, I enjoy this movie very much as well. Um, again, of its oh, Saffron Burrows is in this. Like I used to love what oh. Saffron Burrows and stuff. But, like she was great, and you know, it's got a great little cast. It is, it, it, it it's another one that does exactly mm. what it says on the. Tin. It's a good, it's, fun movie.
0: That's the thing. I mean, it's a mid to low-high uh, budget B-movie, effectively. Uh, Warner Brothers put out in the summer of '99. It was a summer actioner. Uh, Rennie Harlan directing, you know, off the back of things like Cliffhanger, Die Hard 2, and things like that. Um, it's it, it what it is. I mean, it features a gratuitous sequence in which Saffron Burroughs has to literally strip. To avoid a shark, she has to literally take her clothes off to get past a sh- to electrocute and get past a shark. Um, no,
1: that's how you avoid a shark. You just have to strip. You knew that, right?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I've been falling back on the LL Cool J method of just climbing the oven and nuke it, but yeah. uh, and then do a rap song about it, in which you're not sure if you're the shark or his prey. But yeah. uh, one of the most bizarre sets of lyrics I've ever heard. And if you've never heard "deepest bluest" parentheses shark's fin close parentheses you haven't lived yet but you can see this extraordinarily fun uh, 1999 actioner on 5 star on Friday night at 9pm I cannot recommend it highly enough I know you're with me on this one
1: yeah I'm totally with you this is so much fun it will round up your week with a big fat smile on your face hopefully the weather will pick up and if it doesn't you can just watch this on reruns as well so there we go that is your 7 day guide to everything movies on TV coming up next we've got your DVDs your Blu-rays and of course your streaming Welcome back to Offscreen. We are capping off the podcast of this week with, of course, your DVD, Blu-rays and streaming for your viewing pleasure. Now we're going to kick off with some DVDs and Blu-rays that are out as of Monday. Uh, the one and only big thing on our list this week for that side of things is finding the way back. And as Van has just jauntily said to me just off air, it <laughs> could not find its way back into cinemas thanks to Corona. Well, you're very right. Um, poor old Ben Affleck is stuck on the sofa with the rest of us in this movie about essentially an old basketball star who has to now, post-living a life of alcoholism and his life falling apart, refines himself by becoming a college coach uh, once again. You're Marcus, right? That's right. You're the tallest player on the team. Oh. It makes me wonder why you're putting three-pointers up every time you come down the court. Ask Coach Dan. I made the most threes on the team last year. Coach Dan, how many threes did Marcus make last year? Made 34. Out mm-hmm. of how many attempts?
0: Out of... One hundred and 26 percent, Marcus. If you want to know why they're leaving you open, it's because they don't think you could hit the ocean from the beach. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just spit backs that show ass, bro. Man, shut up. I don't need any help. He doesn't need help, but he does need a theatrical release. Uh, this wouldn't have done anything at the box office had it what? actually opened in
1: cinemas. Do you know what? It got a lot of buzz around like Ben Affleck, like good kind of really good performance in it, and I kind of get that, but it sort of... It was very repetitive within this movie it's a very dark movie mm. very it's very sort of like is it art of life in kind a of
0: movie as well there, there was that yeah there was that kind of like why would you why would you put yourself through this man i mean talk about exercising your demons in public jeez
1: maybe it was therapy for him but it doesn't quite have the oomph of a sporting movie that you want a high school sporting movie that you want it focuses far too much on the downside of Ben Affleck's character in this it's worth a watch out of intrigue to see if Ben Affleck can still act yes he can Um, but it's probably not worth anything more than that but it is available for you as of Monday uh, the 12th of October so catch it if you can whilst it's finding the way back.
0: <laughs> so on to, I'm very happy to talk about uh, what's coming to streaming this week because the very first, and we're going to do these in blocks because we've got uh, blocks of films coming to streaming so we'll take them as blocks. I want to talk about uh, this coming Sunday, October the 11th, we're getting two films. We're getting one ahead of, its, ahead of the Christmas season. We're getting the new version of, uh, new-ish version of Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. This is the animated one starring Benedict Cumberbatch as The Grinch which is, okay, it's decent enough. My nephew seems to think it's incredible, but uh, you know he, he can't do sentences yet, so make of that what you will. Um, however, one that I am a very, very big fan of that's appearing on Netflix alongside the Grinch for a very different audience is Overlord, the World War II zombie thriller that's just got Don Carpenter written all over it.
1: Do you know what? Like, no, let the kids watch this one. Um, they'll learn a thing or two. <laughs> um, I actually, do you know what? I remember watching this in the screening. And when the twist happened of the whole zombie side of things, I turned around to Jamie East and we both looked at each other and were like, oh my goodness. I really enjoyed this and it surprised me. And um, I thought it was mm. good as that like, kind of like, see military uh, operation. Like, it's, it's very tense from the outset. They're in like a plane at the beginning as it's flying over yeah. and you you feel every, like, doodlebug bomb that's dropping left, right and centre from there. You really feel immersed in this movie. And then it has this massive twist and it's this huge zombie, like, shoot up It's like a video game. It's brilliant.
0: It's funny you say that. It's like a video game. Because t- there are two things I can say on this one, other than the obvious John Carpenter thing. Um, and the fact that Wyatt, when, you know, his dad was, you know, such a carpenter mainstay. Um, the video game thing. First of all, this is very close to the Wolfenstein series of video games particularly the new generations sort or of ps4 ps3 kind of generations of wolfenstein games um the other thing is they advertised they were very upfront about it being a zombie movie and i think that's a shame yeah because they should have held that back and had this be like the first time you saw from Dust till dawn yeah. and you know the hammer drops and the Tarantino movie becomes the vampire movie this should have been the hammer drops the World War II movie becomes the zombie movie and it would have been like you said that moment in which you have to turn to Jamie in shock you know it's it's it yeah. would have been great for, if that had been the common thing
1: that's one of the um that's one of the the real pleasures of us being able to review this stuff ahead of all the marketing coming out and ahead of everything you know seeing all the trailers and stuff is that we can we get that surprise and that experience if we you know go in just knowing that we have to cover this movie but not actually having the chance mm. to know too much about it so we have a little bit of a luxury there
0: yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, over on uh, Amazon Prime, though, on Tuesday, um, October 13th, obviously we're getting closer to Halloween, and we can't just rely on that, you know, very shoddy-looking Adam Sandler comedy to tide us over on Netflix. Was it Hubie Halloween? Uh, Amazon are hitting back with two of their own. They've got uh, two horror chillers, but these seem to be more, more, psycholog- more psycho thrillers in their own unique ways. Uh, first of all, we've got Evil Eye, which is a new movie that's been produced by uh, Priyanka Chopra. Uh, Priyanka <laughs> Chopra Jonas, I need to get used to calling her that now. Um, and this is a largely Asian slash Asian-American cast. It is the standard sort of, you know, girl gets a boyfriend, something's a bit iffy about him. But in this case, the the person who's, you know, investigating it all is her mother. And uh, it, yeah, it's interesting looking, th- interesting looking through. We didn't get a chance to get a link. I did see the trailer, it looked very, very good. Uh, we've also got Nocturne. Which kind of looks like Black Swan, but Ooh. with like with like violin players, with violinists. It's uh, you know an elite musical academy. You've got twin sisters who you know try to step out of each of those. One is more popular than the other. Uh, the, but the popular one finds the uh, the journal of a, of a of a classmate who recently recently took her own life, and begins to use the secrets within it, only to find it's awakening dark things within her as well. So I think look for something of a black swan in this kind of a, a horror chiller. So that's Nocturne and Evil Eye, which are on uh, Prime on Tuesday. Uh, also on Prime to close out the week though is the I think arguably the biggest streaming edition of the week and it's a relatively new film this film is only nine months old and we talked about back in january take us through the personal history of dick copperfield miss perfect
1: so for well for anyone who knows the story of david copperfield this is this is a new retelling of it and it's not like it's the first time that we've had a retelling of this tale but it is full of um, brilliant cast members. It's colorblind casting, which I think is really interesting. So you will get, um, a, a, what, what I like about it is that obviously the casting is colorblind, but the, the shots themselves are incredibly colorful. It's full of pastels, mm. and it makes British summertime and it's just a happier time. And it's a really fun jaunt through the life and times of David Copperfield. I was convinced the famous soprano was practicing upstairs. Oh, exciting, who? No, I, uh,
0: I mean to say it, it turned out to be you.
1: Oh, I see. A compliment. Thank you. Copperfield. I
0: have to go. Proctor.
1: You could come up after my next lesson. I can sing you a piece. Thank you. I'll, I'll bring
0: something to throw at you. As in a, a, a bouquet of flowers. Yes. <laughs> And the best part is, do you know who's playing his love interest there in that scene? It's none other than Morfid Clark from St. Maud.
1: Yeah. There we go. There we go. Do you know what? This is a critic's favourite, this movie. You know, this is the classic movie. You go in and go, you know the critics are going to love this. I walked out kind of enjoying it, but not loving it. Um, I actually Same. felt... Yeah, I, I felt... it. I can't put my finger on what let me down, down about it. But when you kind of gauge all these different movies and you go, that's a BAFTA movie, that's an Oscar movie. This was a Biffa movie, right? This was one one that that, uh, Rain Dance will do really, really well. And I think it did actually, but it doesn't quite hit the heights of BAFTA and beyond. And it is hard to to see why, because the cast is insane. It's got Dev Patel, it's got Hugh Laurie, Tilda Swinton, Ben Whishaw, so many more people in this. Peter Capaldi's in that as well. Gwendolyn Christie's in this. Morford Clark, like you mentioned, um, it just, I almost think it's almost too earnest within itself. It's, there's almost too much, you know, you're, you're sort of nodding at me down the, down the line. It's, um, there's something about it that's almost too jolly, almost more than Hugh Laurie can possibly be in this movie.
0: <laughs> it's a public school movie. That's the it is. It's a public yeah. school movie. Um, and the problem so- for me is I... I adore Iamondo Iannucci, um, who wrote into, you know wrote into Um yep. In particular, the death, which was yeah. his last film before this, and I thought that was absolutely tremendous. Going from the Death of Stalin to this seemed for me like a bit of a cynical grab for some awards contention. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think the expectation was. Following the death of Stalin and all the other stuff that Imando um Ianucci has done before, you think it's a dead cert. Oh, I've just looked it up. It did win Best Inde- Independent Film Award for Best Screen. <laughs> 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 I knew love it, love it. Play with that. Um it definitely is a biff of film. If that describes it in a nutshell for you You know exactly what you're going to get out of this it's just it just doesn't quite teeter on brilliance that's the problem with it but it's got all the components that should make brilliant there's just something that doesn't quite fit
0: i agree completely but you know what you can find out for yourself uh, from friday 16th next week uh, on amazon prime it's in the next few weeks amazon prime are adding the big film of the year asked picture winner for the year is reaching amazon prime in the wow. next couple of weeks we won't name it but we'll we'll talk about it when it's on there but uh, you can probably figure it out from those complex clues that we've just laid but uh, mm, that's going to be an interesting conversation and particularly
1: that's going to be really interesting because it has just played not so many months yeah. ago in the curzon there was a black and white version of it
0: that was my, yeah, like, which version was going to be the, the regular colour? Hmm. And also, how much did Amazon have to lay down to get the rights to that? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them have to have uh, dropped for that uh, movie there. So anyway, that will round off um, our week uh, for you guys. Um, looking forward to finding out if our cryptic clues have resonated with you and you know exactly what we're talking about. So all the more reasons to stay tuned with us next week. But this has been Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. I've been that's Perfect.
0: I've been Van Conner, and we shall return.